Hello and welcome to another Social Dad podcast. Today I'm talking to Janelle and Natalie from Venus First. It's the first Canadian female-founded, female-focused education program, incubator and NFT collection. Their goal is to uh, close the gender gap by removing barriers for entry for women in NFTs, cryptocurrency and Web3. Hello. Hi. (laughs) (laughs) How's things in Ontario? Oh, Good question. Um, there's lots going on. Let's say that. Yeah, <laughs> definitely a lot of activity, but uh, the weather's been great. Well, that's always good. Yeah, yeah, we've had some some actually beautiful now in in Vancouver after a pretty lousy few weeks or months or years. Um, yes, yeah, just it just seems like it's been just crap for ages. <laughs> um, so let's get into it. So, what is Venus First, and why did you start it now? So Venusverse is pretty much what you've uh, opened with. It's essentially, um, so we're, we're actually a, an educational program. We're an NFT incubator um, for female artists. And we're also launching our own NFT collection as well of 2022 um, collectibles. And our goal and our mission is to help close the gender, the gender gap, really, when it comes to women in crypto and NFTs. Um, I don't know if you've heard of the stats that are out there, but the latest one we came across was 5% of uh, women in Canada, especially, uh, are in crypto and NFTs. And um, there's about 95% of men that are in that space. So there's quite a gap. And we really want to bring some attention to the world that's being built out there, the digital world that's being built out there. Why do you think there's such a big, big um, disparity between men and women? Yeah, it's a really good question. We've been trying to dig into that ourselves um, and asking women. And some of the answers we were hearing back is it it feels complicated. Um, Maybe there's a bit of risk involved. There's some uncertainty. Um, It's just it just feels even a bit clunky at times about how do you even get into the space and understand what's going on. So for us, we heard some of those conversations happening and we just started to put together, how can we streamline this? How can we make it easy for women to want to jump in and see what's possible within this space? So those are some of the reasons we've been hearing why they're not coming in. Do you think it's um, a sort of risk adverse side of of nature or do you think it's, um, I don't know, men are a bit more, I mean, grossly generalizing yeah my own gender but sort of um more uh, we're a bit more short-sighted and so we're like oh this might be a fun idea let's spend some money on it instead of women who tend to be a bit more responsible I would agree with that yeah I like Um, like the way you positioned it yeah Um, I would definitely say, too, that it's, you know, right now, I mean, there's so much going on. And we have, you know, for Natalie and I, for example, we're we're both moms, we both work. um, And we just have a a lot going on. And when we first got into the space, um, it took us about four to six months to actually kind of, you know, play with the whole idea of uh, NFTs, where are they? Where can you locate them? How can you get into them? There's uh, not really a centralized place that you can go to learn a lot of this stuff. So it's piecemeal from a bunch of different social platforms. So it's not, it hasn't been made that easy, really, um, to find the content. And, you know, there's exposure too. I mean, we just haven't been really exposed uh, to a lot of what's happening in the digital world right now. 
Yeah, I've I've sort of fallen into the the conversation quite deep, especially on Twitter. Um, yeah, and the NFT conversation, even the community about it is is fascinating and it's quite encouraging for the most part i mean there's a lot of you know money grabs and whatever but Mm -hmm. especially for female artists i feel like there's a lot of love um for those kinds of people i've been watching um one called i think her name's like sati or sati draws and she's doing tremendously well with um her drawings her 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 art Uh um and uh it it's it feels like it's a quite a welcoming place if mm-hmm. you're willing to share your art but most of the the people talking definitely seem more sort of male biased yeah um, and that was my experience when i got into it um about four or five months ago is um all of the community or the chat groups that i was joining to learn were male dominated and i kept asking where are the ladies at where where mm-hmm. is everybody and they just they they weren't there and so i was like there there's a need for the female perspective and the voice here mm-hmm. um and it, it was welcomed like it was a very welcoming mm-hmm. community it just we were we were missing the female perspective and voice so mm-hmm. what's the the appetite been for been like for the courses that you're running or the educational program. So we're actually launching. Uh, we launched that. I think the first one's on the twenty first uh, of February. Mm-hmm. Natalie had uh, a few sessions that she had run initially. So Natalie, I don't know if you want to. You know, I, I think in in general, for the most part, it looked like um, really women were blown away by by the options and the opportunities that are out there. Um, you know, and, and the fact that I think they were also blown away by the fact that they weren't even exposed to any of this uh, and didn't have any idea that it was, you know, really happening. This whole digital world was being created um, and not for a lack of not being interested. It just, like I said, everything is pretty much everywhere and you kind of have to go out and, and do your own digging and find it. So, um, yeah, I think just being able to centralize uh, as much of that information as possible has been really, really welcomed. Um by the woman that Natalie's already kind of taken through the program. Yeah, I would say there's an appetite for sure of people wanting just to understand what is Web3 and crypto and NFT? How does this come together? What is possible? Um, how can they, you know, make some financial gains and become investors in this space? So more women are starting to ask the question and we've taken all the information that we've been learning and try and trying as much to condense it down to just over an hour of information and then you can just see the light bulbs going off of what's possible for them mm-hmm. and where, where they can take it. And then that's what Venus versus one to educate them on, you know, this new world, this new ecosystem, and then see where they can go, what is possible and then use our incubator to help them get there. Yeah, that's, that's really interesting. I mean, from what I understand, so web three, web one was you can read the information that someone else has written web two was you get to write stuff, but other people still, you know, you're writing on WordPress or or um, Squarespace, Squarespace or whatever. Um, you're making websites on other people's platforms. And then Web3 is you own your own space or like how, what is Web3? Yeah. And you're very, like, you're, you're right there. So the way that we explain it to the participants that come through is Web1 was the information um, what economy basically. So yeah, like all the newspapers that we would see emails started to kick off at this time. It was kind of, you know, the early days of the internet and then web two introduced, um, and that introduced, uh, social platforms like Facebook, 
YouTube, Twitter, Instagram, and all of a sudden now you get more of a network happening in web two. People are talking, they're advertising, their businesses, uh, promoting all of that good stuff is happening in, in web two. However, there's still only a select few that own a good chunk of web two, right? Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and all that. Now we're moving into web three, which we're calling more of the creator economy or the creator platform. So it's more peer to peer of an ecosystem, right? So it's putting some of the power back into the individual's hands that are creating it. This is why it's so interesting for artists to get into the space. Does that make sense what I'm saying? Yeah. Okay. Kind of. Well, I mean, where'd I lose you? I'm easily confused. So, um, (laughs) so if people are creating, like where, where do the, the things live that you create? Yeah. So if um, an artist right now, let's take that as an example. Yeah. If I'm an artist and I'm a, and I wanted to create something to share with the world, I'd do it digitally in this example. Mm-hmm. And once I put it on a platform, one of the main platforms right now is called OpenSea. People can come and buy my art directly right from me. I don't have to go to a museum or a studio and have it displayed. Mm-hmm. And then, so I put that out digitally for people to buy And now when they buy it, if I set up a a thing called a smart contract, um, if they sell it down the road, I can also receive um, proceeds from that sale every single time it sells. So the artist is constantly being reimbursed for the art that they created and they have ownership over that art. Same would go for music or um, if somebody was producing a movie and so a fashion and so forth. So it's always coming back to the creator who built or created that, that, uh, well, NFT in this case. Hmm. Okay. Um, I mean, I kind of understand, like I made some NFTs, did some drawings and I sold a couple, but nothing really. Um, and, but I still didn't really get it. (laughs) I was like, Oh, of course someone bought a thing and I got $2 from it. Um, that's kind of the last I heard of it. And then I just gave a bunch away. Um, Okay. Well, another example we can use too is in the music industry. So right now, if I'm a up and coming musician and I Mm -hmm. have a bit of a following, say on Instagram or maybe Facebook, or, you know, people have followed me a little bit and say, I wanted to go and finally put out my album right now, I might have to go out to a studio and, and see if they would help produce it and put money towards it. And then they potentially would own the rights to my songs. Now in the web three ecosystem, I would go out and create potentially an NFT of maybe lyrics to my songs. And I'd put that out as a collection. And then I would go to my fan base and I would say, Hey, I want to produce my first album. Um, If you want, you can buy one of my NFTs, which is a lyric to my song. Once my fans do that, I now have the money to go make my first album. If my album does well, I can also make it into the smart contract that they get royalties from my song, whoever owns one of the NFTs, uh, lyric NFTs to my album. Oh, is that what's Now my artist is like, my fans are making money with me as I go along. So Mm -hmm. the creators and the people that support me, we're all making money collectively together, not the studios, not the executives, all of that. I get it. The, okay. the same the same could be done with movies obviously it's a, cr- a way of crowdfunding right yeah. for your movies and kind of as natalie said putting the ownership into the artist's hand and i think part of the reason why there's still a lot of um 
ambiguity around it is because it is uncharted territory. There is so much opportunity in this world to kind of explore and and understand what you can do with NFTs, right? They're, uh, they're in the way I see it is that it's an authentication process and you can mm. use that process pretty much uh, across all mediums, um, whether art mediums or, you know, even if you think about uh, an academic institution down the road, I mean, they can potentially use this as a way to have uh, people sign into uh, AMAs or, or uh, any sessions um, that they choose to give to their alumni. Um, it could be used for a number of different things. And I think that's the beauty of it. It's just uh, very uncharted right now. So there's an opportunity for for anyone to go in and, and kind of play with it and create, uh, try to create um, something meaningful out of it. It's the utility of the NFTs that's really appealing and attractive at the end of the day. And how can we utilize it? And and the way we want to you know utilize it is obviously for the better, for the good. Um, so that's what we're trying to um, to encourage and promote. So if it's a sort of a decentralized thing, there's no governing bodies, right? Right. So do you think that there could be sort of nefarious users, um, fake news, um, mm-hmm. you know, hate speech, whatever, owning parts of, of Web3 and then being mm-hmm. able to say whatever they want without, like <clears throat> when uh, Trump and whoever else got their Twitter um, accounts just taken off? Mm-hmm. Um, like who, who manages that if it's, if it's individually owned? Yeah, it's a great question right now. And it's a hot topic of, you know, freedom of speech and and all of that. And right now they're, you know, it doesn't seem to be owned by anybody in particular. Um, I, I'm sure if somebody wanted to, you know, put something out that was hateful, mm-hmm. uh, they potentially could. I don't know how many people would buy it. Um, well, but, I mean, you know, I mean what, Trump wants to do his own social network, doesn't he? But, he, then- he yeah, he does. And um so yeah, this this notion of, of freedom of choice and freedom of speech is very at the forefront right now, and we'll see where it goes. And as you know, if you remember, like the internet when it first started, it got all this hype and it grew, and then there was a bit of a bubble, right? Yeah, and it burst, and then it came back down. We might see something, or we probably will see something in this space similar to that. It's going to get some hype. It's going to get more users coming in, more interest, more people trying different things. And as that goes on, there will probably there will be regulation coming through how it looks we don't know right now but there will be more regulation coming forward as more people get into the space okay it's my take it's my is my yeah because that seems to be the norm of it like you know people want freedom to create Mm -hmm. and to produce what's you know i'm going to say on their heart space to do Mm -hmm. um but as that kind of as we get more people in we will need some form of maybe just regulation such a strong word but just kind of like what are the boundaries what's okay and not okay yeah and i i think a lot of that's going to be as it is with the with the normal internet well i say normal internet you know what we have now (laughs) it's um a case of sort of moderating like as a dad my daughter's only six so she doesn't really she knows youtube and she can ask google for stuff but that's as far as it goes because she's not really on the computer she's not um she's certainly not unsupervised on here um but when it comes time for for her to um go on the internet and start using i guess some kind of social network or um or looking things up like if she's got homework um how do you think 
the changes in the internet and web three and everything else um will will change the landscape for for people coming online and and you know being privy to this kind of thing well i mean web three in general is a little more interactive so i mean part of it is that we don't really know (laughs) what that world's going to look like just yet we've gotten glimpses of it, um, but there is going to be a, a, a much more interactive um, option, you know, and globally too, by the way. So uh, you could be sitting in a room and having a meeting with somebody who's right next to you that's actually out in um, somewhere in Europe uh, and, and have a great dialogue with that person. But you're, the point is it's more connected and more interactive. And I think that would be the main difference between um, what we are experiencing now and what we will be experiencing in Web3. And again, this is still very unchartered. Like there's there's a lot of companies that are in there trying to play around and understand a little bit more about Web3. Mm-hmm. Um, we know that they're using it. Uh, but I think the whole idea is that there's a lot of opportunity to kind of bring conversations and people more together and hopefully in a more meaningful way. Yeah. Um, do you think we... We're really going to transition to a world where like putting on a VR headset is as common as turning on the TV? Or do you think there's too much of a sense of kind of suspended belief that it's it's even worth investing in? I, I do think that, um, you know, we're going to be in a world where it might, we might see it as VR headsets right now, but who knows what kind of innovation is actually happening on the background of this, right? So it could be um, VR headsets, it could be glasses, it could be contact lenses. Like we don't even know where, where this is going to go just yet. So um, there is an opportunity for, yes, for us to um, be more connected that way. Do you think, um, like, what do you sort of think the timeline is between sort of now where brands are starting to invest in NFTs and making things available for, um, or at least sort of getting the rights to their own, um, let's say Nike are doing mm-hmm. shoes. Mm-hmm. as an nft or a virtual pair of shoes that a character could wear in a in metaverse for example mm-hmm. um how how long do you think that will be until it's in an actual reality like we all saw the um mark zuckerberg meta announcement where he's having a chat with some other people in a virtual reality but that's we can we do that right now or like when is that going to happen? Um, so I, I I don't personally know exactly the timeline, but I mean it's already happening. They are already having these interactions, so it is accessible too um, with a VR headset. So it, it is happening. It's just when it when does it become more mainstream is the question I think, and that uh, there's a little bit of an adoption process to that, of course. So. Mm you know, that, that I think would be the, the interesting factor when, when, um, will it become more adopted, uh, throughout society? Um, it, it could, I mean, this is the early adopter phase and, and people are starting to get in. So it could actually happen within the next couple of years to five years, uh, where more of us are going to be uh, connected to this, um, web three world. Just to be more exposed at the end of the day. So for to Natalie's point, so we have AMA sessions built in. We have newsletters. We have uh, fireside chats, for example. So hopefully we do want to have um, summits down the road, too, where, you know, we, we, we have some thought leadership conversations around where Web3 is going. Um, really anything we can do to equip women to be um, well informed as they're going into this world or to be exposed more to this world. Hmm. 
That's interesting. I've been reading a bit about um, NFTs and Ethereum and how mm-hmm. it um, it it there's an environmental impact on mm-hmm. on uh, I guess it's creating the digital currency because it it uses fossil fuels to or it takes energy to run. Can you explain a bit about that? Because I'm foggy on it. So it's also in the mining process too. Um, So to be completely clear, I don't, uh, I do know, obviously there's an environmental because of, you know, using computers and using the energy, you're obviously creating, um, you're on it quite a bit. You're on the computer quite a bit when you're mining. Right. Uh, And so that creates uh, quite a bit of energy. And that's, I think where, where it's all generated from, uh, Ideally, supercomputers and quantum computing that will help to uh, lessen the energy that's used uh, while they're, while we have the miners mining and while Ethereum's being um, traded and converted and, and used. But right now, uh, we just don't have that capability. And I think I do think that is coming fairly soon. I mean, I know that there are supercomputers that are being used right now. Um, but ideally, I mean, it doesn't. It's not happening as quickly as we'd want it to. Yeah. But this is what we have to work with right now, unfortunately. Um, there's a couple as of, with everything, right? Everything has a, a, a yeah, carbon impact of some sort. Right? Yeah, there's a couple of projects I was I was looking at. One, um, called oh, I'm trying to think now. No, it's called like Fish Bums, and it's um, and they give a, a portion to some ocean charity. And then there's um, the Galactic Gorilla Gang, um, Gorilla NFTs, and they. Um, they give a percentage of royalties to um, to weekly beach cleanups, and every time they sell an NFT, they plant a tree. Um, and also, they're investing heavily in uh, pet gas, where they're turning plastic into fuel. Um, and I'm hoping that the future of NFTs is is really going to take a, an environmental um, sort of a harsh look at their environmental impact and um, hopefully change the world for better, whether it's supporting female-owned businesses or minorities or the environment as a whole um, in whichever niche they they can focus on. Yeah, and actually we've done that. So um, 10% of our proceeds is going back to Civic Action, which is a group here in Ontario, and uh, it's a network of leaders and organizations that's built um, – building more inclusive cities. So we're actually donating 10% of the proceeds back to help foster female leaders. Um, So that's a part of what we want to do with our. Perfect. Yeah. Sorry about that. We just got cut off. Um, I think Zencaster had a little issue, Um, but it's Monday. I'm losing. (laughs) Um, So, yeah. So, so could you just, um, just quickly wrap up? Cause I think we got most of um, that, that you're supporting, uh, you're putting 10% back into um, more inclusive um, projects and, and cities. Correct. Yeah. So, so civic action, actually 10% of our collection goes back to civic action, okay. um, which is a network of leaders, uh, you know, basically building more inclusive cities. And what we're doing is we're taking 10% and giving it back to help foster female leaders. Um, so the idea is that, you know, we would actually be giving back, uh, you know, to something that, that is meaningful to us, obviously, and something that we're supporting. But as I as I was saying, I think everybody who's coming into this space um, should be very conscientious of, of some sort of ESG component to their collection, 
uh, it's the only way we're going to be able to give back and make a dent in any way is to embed some sort of, and, and I'm taking this from, from Communitech and my time at Communitech. And, and that's, what's been beautiful actually about, uh, about being in this space, the tech for good component that Communitech focuses on and hones in on um, yeah. is actually a really important component. So I think that, you know, anyone who launches a collection should really be considering the ESG um, component to this. And I think that's that might be a, the sort of key for getting women and, and mm-hmm. you know, that kind of people who identify um, in, into this kind of project. Because as I said, when we opened, um, men seem to be generally a little more short sighted, but but um, women and those who identify like that are a lot more um, long term thinking. Mm-hmm. And I think with with the angle that um this is how you make a change for good mm-hmm. for women as a as a whole but also um for the world that we live in and for mm-hmm. future generations i think that's where we get uh less of the the money grab and and more of the the investment in society yeah exactly um and i think i think that's that's an incredible thing um so just to wrap up, where can um, people find your projects and how can they start um, getting involved with the uh, Venus Fest? So our website is the perfect place to start, um, www.venusverse.ca. And uh, our training sessions are on there. We will be launching our collection towards the end of February. Um, so keep, keep your eyes open for that. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then the incubator as well will be launching around the same time so that we can start to bring in female artists and help them get their work up, um, and curate their work and sell their work ideally. And so the artists can, um, reach out to you and, and, uh, get involved that way. Absolutely. If they reach out. So once we launch, we'll have, uh, you know, more of a step-by-step process, but yes, if anyone's interested, definitely reach out to us so we can start having the conversation. Um, but yeah, we will have more of a curated um, way of, of bringing in female artists for sure. Amazing. Um, and just just to finish, what is, I mean, normally I do a, a big old, you know, questionnaire thing that tries to sort of delve into people, but, um, but we've been talking for so long because this is just, um, I'm fascinated by it and I love what you're doing. <laughs> um, what is your idea of happiness? Oh, interesting. Natalie, you want to go first? <laughs> uh, yeah, for me, it's just being really grounded into who you are and liking who you are. So you come from that energy and it just has a ripple effect around everything that you do. So it's just being really grounded and loving who you are. I think that's, for me, that's happiness. Yeah, I would say something very similar. So for me, it's it's my core. So the things that make me happy, the things that are um, that center me, that give me peace. So my family, um, my passion, which is, uh, you know, I have an art background. So art's always been part of my passion, which is actually what drove me uh, to, to come into the NFT space. Um, and, uh, you know, just just seeing people around me peaceful and, and happy is, I think, um, the other motivator, too. I really just like to see uh, people in a good place. Hmm. Yeah, love it. You're just on a mission to help women feel good about who they are and what they're doing. Perfect. Well, I really appreciate that. Thank you. Um, great. Thank you so much. Uh, I really you. appreciate this. This has been great. Thank you very much. Okay. Bye-bye. Bye bye. Bye.